0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball afternoon. And there's some bizarre things going on right now. So, I didn't get a chance to record a podcast. If you saw the tweet, uh, I got home from work at like 10 o'clock at night, had to be back up at 5 30 in the morning, didn't have a chance to record the podcast. Plan on recording a doubleheader podcast after the afternoon game today. Well, turns out that the afternoon game gets canceled because the wind is so bad in downtown Cleveland right now that they didn't want to play in it. So now they're going to play a doubleheader on Sunday. So now I get off work and I decide, you know what, before I drive home, I got the mic set up. I'm just going to record a podcast. So I'll talk about the game last night and uh, talk a little bit about the Blue Jays and the doubleheader we got coming up tomorrow. So I guess the final last night from Cleveland, from Progressive Field. It was the Toronto Blue Jays 11, the Cleveland Indians 2 in a six and a half inning game. They stopped the game midway through the seventh inning. So uh, I guess, yeah, six and a half innings of baseball. Uh, I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy watching baseball being played, even though I did not get a chance to watch this game, I had the first inning or two on while I was working and then uh, had to turn it off, and by the time I got home, turned it on, they were literally walking off the field into the rain delay. That's, That's how good my timing was. I went, you know what, there's probably a few innings left in this game. Let me flip it on and see what's going on, and they're walking off the field. So, let's dig into the box score. Let's talk about what happened, because there are some notable things that happened. Eli Morgan makes his MLB debut for the Cleveland Indians in... What Terry Francona, you know, obviously described as, like, the worst possible weather conditions you could debut in. Um, I think uh, Josh Naylor was quoted after the game saying, like, uh, it was pretty dangerous out there. Like, wouldn't recommend. Like, like we'll play in anything, but eh, probably we shouldn't have been playing last night. Then, of course, the irony of the whole situation is that today the sun actually is out. The sun is out right now while I'm recording this podcast. It's windy as hell downtown. The sun's out, and uh, they're not playing baseball. So yesterday was miserable, miserable weather. And I can tell you because I was outside all day working, just getting drenched, just getting poured on. It was miserable. And to go out and play baseball in that, uh, just, I, I mean, I grew up playing football. So I'll play sports in any weather condition. It The muddier, the wetter, it does not bother me. I will play in any weather condition. So I am not a good judge of that. I would, would have much rather been playing baseball last night than working. But, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine as Major League professional athletes, you, you might not want to play in those conditions. And it didn't work out well for Eli Morgan, who's making his MLB debut. You especially don't want to make your MLB debut in those kind of conditions. He was kind of holding his own. I mean, in the first inning, he was kind of holding his own, but it did not go well. They scored two in the second off him. They score four in the third. His final line on the day, two and two-thirds, eight hits, six earned runs, two walks, one strikeout. I believe it was a fastball that painted the outside edge and a home run given up on 65 pitches. Uh, you don't even want to know what his ERA is. Uh, twenty point two five. Poor guy's got to carry that around. Could you imagine if he gets optioned back down to AAA now? He's gonna to have to carry around with him until he gets back called back up. The fact that his MLB ERA is a twenty point two five. Gave up seven hard hit balls in that two and two third, and it just looked like the Blue Jays hitters. Knew that he's an off-speed pitch kind of guy, and we're just waiting for it. Just absolutely waiting for it. I mean, he's known for his changeup. The changeup has a lot of movement and uh, has good separation, incredible separation, actually, from his fastball. His fastball usually comes in a little higher. He threw 32 fastballs yesterday. He was anywhere from 84 miles per hour up to 91, averaged 88 miles per hour on his fastball, usually he throws that pitch a lot a little bit faster usually he's like 91 to 93 according to all the scouting reports so did the wind have anything to do with that last night probably it's probably pretty hard to focus on your mechanics your follow-through your legs when you're being blown off the mound so his fastball was down a little bit but the separation on the change-up he was throwing it around 74 miles per hour so if you could throw a fastball at 93 and then a a uh, uh, changeup at 74-75. That is a huge split in velocity. Uh, I don't know what the tunneling action is. If they look like they're coming, we'll have to get Pitching Ninja to do one of those overlays to see if the tunnel looks like they're coming to the same spot and then the changeup breaks and fades away. Uh, he threw a slider a couple times. He threw the change-up 14 times. He threw the slider 11 times, the sinker 5 times, and a curveball 3 times. So he mixed in a lot of pitches, he had the most success with his slider actually. He had a 36% CSW on a slider. Only 20% CSW on the day and here's why. The changeup is a big uh out pitch for him. It's 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 his go-to pitch is the changeup. It has a lot of movement. All the scouting reports raved that he had this incredible changeup. I mean, that's what Lucas Giolito does, right? Lucas Giolito gets it done with the changeup. A lot of those White Sox pitchers do. Although I think Giolito's velocity might top out a little more than Eli Morgans does right now. But he only had a 14% CSW on his changeup yesterday. Ten swings, only got two whiffs, no called strikes on his changeup, and they put six in play. They didn't even foul off that many. They only fouled off two. They put six of his changeups in play. And so, yeah. Yeah, he was getting hit really hard, and it just looked like they knew. They knew to not even waste their time. They still swung eleven times at his fastball, but they kind of knew, like, when you get the changeup, let it rip. And I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough outing for for the guy. Let's see if we could take a look at uh, where those changeups were located. If we isolate just the changeups. We come down to Eli Morgan. Oh boy, that is a lot of changeups in the strike zone. I mean, in the meaty part of the plate. Uh, there's three changeups that he never got a grip on that kind of flew up and to the left. There's one changeup that he paints the edge on that got fouled off. Uh, there's one that's below the strike zone. So, five of the changeups technically out of the strike zone, one he got fouled off. The one out of the strike zone because Baseball Savant's an idiot and cuts off the bottom of the page. I can't tell you the actual results of that pitch. Come on, Baseball Savant, be better than that. But that leaves a huge amount of changeups in the strike zone. And we're talking hittable baseballs here. We're talking in the meaty part of the plate. Uh, that is not good. He is definitely going to have to locate his changeups better if he wants to make it in Major League Baseball. It's not just enough to change speeds. You have to locate with those pitches, you have to have a plan. We've seen it from other changeup guys. In fact, if you scroll up and look at Ryu, Ryu's changeups are down at the bottom of the zone and then to the right edge of the plate. So he definitely has a zone where he attacks with his changeup. We've seen it before where change-ups to one side of the plate, sliders to the other side of the plate, right? That's the plan of attack. Uh, Eli Morgan is definitely going to have to do that his next time out here because uh, this will not work in Major League Baseball. And you can't put this many change-ups. But I don't want to hammer the guy too much. It was his Major League debut in terrible weather conditions. So let's all cut up some slack. Let's all give him the benefit of the doubt and see – What happens? Because no Indians pitcher did good yesterday. Uh, Phil Mating came in. He got hammered around, although he did get three strikeouts in an inning and a third. Sandlin came in. He gave up some hits, uh, gave up a double down the line that brought in a run. Trevor Steffen came in. He got hit around. Kyle Nelson finally was able to come in and have a clean inning on at least the scoreboard, uh, walking a strikeout for him in the seventh inning. So, yeah, so no Indians pitcher was doing good. But the thing about the weather is, baseball is a very even game. Whatever the weather is for one team, it's that for the other team. And the Blue Jays were hitting, and the Indians were not. Not after that first inning. The first inning, the Indians looked like they were going to run up the score on Ryu. The Indians put together an incredible first inning, bottom of the first, right? Cesar Hernandez leads off with a single. Ahmed Rosario strikes out. Jose Ramirez singles. Harold Ramirez walks to load the bases, and... Eddie Rosario has a beautiful single into right center field. It scores two runs. Cesar Hernandez and Jose Ramirez come in. It looks like the Indians are off and rolling. Owen Miller does strike out, which is a little concerning. I mean, Owen Miller is kind of known for being a low strikeout guy, uh, being a contact hitter, and he is striking out a lot in his first look. A lot's going to change for Owen Miller. We're giving him plenty of time. I'm just surprised. I'm not I'm not down on the guy for the strikeouts. I'm just surprised that we're seeing this many strikeouts um, based on everything we heard about him. Josh Naylor walks to load the bases again, and then Yu Chang pops out. Guys and girls, listeners, uh, as Yu Chang's, like, number one fan in the podcasting world, I I think he needs to go down. I think he needs to go down, and Bobby Bradley needs to come up. With Owen Miller here, and Owen Miller can cover all the other infield spots, I think Bobby Bradley needs to come up for Yu Chang. I know that Bobby Bradley and Jake Bowers are both lefties, and it doesn't make sense, but he can come up in DH. He can come up in Formio Reyes' spot, right? But Yu Chang needs to go back down. It's not working at the Major League level for him right now. It breaks my heart to say that. And then it just falls apart for the Indians. The only other hit they get on the day is a third-inning single by Harold Ramirez. In fact, they weren't even hitting the ball that hard after that. Their exit velocity against Ryu, Jose Ramirez had 105.6 in his single. Eddie Rosario's single was 105.2. Harold Ramirez's single was 102.7. After that, it's pretty weak contact. we were in the 80s, 70s. A few guys get into the 90s with their exit velocity, but it wasn't going to do anything. I mean, the expected batting averages after Eddie Rosario's hit, the highest expecting batting average is 290 until we get to a Cesar Hernandez line out in the fifth. That was at 590 expected batting average, but it was a line out. Uh, even the single by Harold Ramirez only had an expected batting average of 260. So this is pretty weak contact here and, and pretty definite outs by Indians hitters. Meanwhile, Blue Jays look like freaking murderer's row over here, just lighting up the extra base hits against the Indians. They had uh, four, five, six doubles and the home run. Uh, Joe Panic was going off. He was four for four. I mean, he's only a 262 hitter, he's only got a 663 OPS. So this is not Mike Trout, uh, but Joe Panic was going off yesterday. Uh, and it was kind of the bottom of the order. I mean, it was not Vlad Guerrero Jr. He was one for four. It was not Bo Bichette. It was not Marcus Simeon. Uh, it was the bottom of the order. Uh, uh, Gritchick, um, Panic, uh, Espinal, Jansen. These guys all had extra base hits. Um, yeah, the bottom of the order. If you remember Guriel, he was a guy who was definitely in those trade conversations for... Uh, Francisco Lindor, and uh, he is hitting 257 with a 654 OPS, so he's not lighting up the world, but those two doubles uh, and three RBIs against us last night sure helped. So Gurriel's a guy to keep an eye on throughout the series because he could have been in a Cleveland uniform. He could have been out there instead of Eddie Rosario in left field if that trade had gone to the Blue Jays instead of to the Mets. So, yeah, so there are a lot of names that we got to learn on this Toronto Blue Jays team because they they can hit. I mean, they can really hit. We didn't see it from Vlad uh, Guerrero Jr. last night. Only one for four with a strikeout, but he's hitting three thirty one with a 1.092 OPS. Had two hard-hit balls yesterday. Um, yeah. Uh, Tayscar Hernandez, their, uh, cleanup hitter is hitting 319 with an 874 OPS. Uh, even the leadoff guys, Simeon and Bichette both have OPSs over 800. Grichik, uh, the right fielder, he has an OPS. Uh, well, he, I guess he eventually went in and played right field. I'm guessing he started in center field and then moved over. Uh, baseball Savant's box score isn't too great at showing that stuff. So, yeah, so uh, there are some serious, serious hitters on this Blue Jays team. And it's something that concerns me with the Indians going out of the Central Division. It's the Eastern Division is built to hit. Those teams are built. The Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, even even Tampa Bay to some points is built to hit. Uh, Some of the teams out West, you know, the Angels are definitely built to hit. And we were able to take two out of three from them. So, yeah, so I'm a little bit worried about the Indians outside of that Central Division. The Central Division is about pitching. Outside of the Central Division, they are about hitting. And the Indians have not fared well against these teams, especially the East recently. The Yankees beat up on us in the playoffs and in the first series this season. Now, the Blue Jays light us up. You know, we got a doubleheader against them. We got a chance to win the series in one day. According to Mandy Bell, it'll be Aaron Savali doing game one on Sunday, and it'll be Sam Henches doing game two. So we got a chance. I mean, we have two Henches if he pitches like he did last time. We have a chance to sweep that doubleheader and win this series over the Blue Jays. But we really, really are going to have to step up our offense to compete with this Eastern, you know, this Eastern Division offense that we're seeing. It's going to be like that against these other teams, too. Uh, We're really going to have to uh, come up with some runs. Come up with some runs and have some different expectations of our pitchers, I think, when they're going out of the Central Division. So it's a crazy game. It's an absolutely bizarre game. That's kind of all my thoughts on it. It's a bizarre series now with the doubleheader. The Blue Jays will actually play five games in a row less than nine innings. Uh, seven-inning games, basically. They only played six and a half, but, I mean, they were into the bottom of the seventh. You know, uh, Josh England was up there. So, for all intents and purposes, a seven-inning game. The Blue Jays played a doubleheader before they got here. So, after they played the doubleheader on Sunday, that'll be five games in a row for them, which has never happened. Zach Meisel looked it up on Twitter, and it never happened before a team, probably St. Louis Cardinals, I wouldn't be surprised, in 2020 played back-to-back doubleheaders, so four in a row. The Indians will then follow that up with a doubleheader on Monday, so they'll play five in a row as well. Uh, it's bizarre. And these things about these rain delays, I actually learned. Talk to somebody who kind of know who knows, who not kind of. I talked to somebody who knows how this stuff works, has sort of some inside knowledge on this. And these decisions of when to make up these games and when to cancel these games are not easy decisions. The players union gets involved. It's a whole collective bargaining thing about when the game should be made up. And, we, you know, we want this situation. We want this, you know, a traditional doubleheader versus a day-night doubleheader. There's big conversations that happen every time a game po- is postponed and every time a doubleheader gets scheduled. So these things are not easy decisions. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's pretty crazy that they played last night and they didn't. I mean, what were they going to do? They knew the weather was going to be bad, crazy today, too. They knew the wind was going to be crazy today. I mean, they weren't going to play three, five inning games on Sunday. So they figured, okay, we'll try to get one in. And it was a disaster. So we got the doubleheader. Enjoy a day of, enjoy two days, a holiday weekend of baseball on your Sunday and Monday. It's going to be an adventure. I think the Indians have enough pitching to actually handle this. I'm not worried about the Indians pitching. They've got enough arms out there, especially guys like Quantrill and Mejia that can go multiple innings. They can really go. I mean, Quantrill is up to three innings. He could probably go four. I bet Mejia, he was starting like a week ago or a week and a half ago. I bet Mejia can still go three or four innings out of the bullpen. So I'm not too concerned. There's seven inning games about the Indians pitching being stressed over this. And uh, so, yeah. Who knows, maybe Savali will just eat up all seven innings and completely take our mind off of it. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball afternoon. Uh, Again, the final from Cleveland. It was the Blue Jays 11, the Indians 2. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about that doubleheader. Uh, I guess we'll be back... Monday morning to talk about the Sunday doubleheader and then we'll get back into our reg- regular schedule on Tuesday morning and talk about Monday's doubleheader. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.